few weeks ago, David um, felt like um, he should give kind of not of an altar call, but just said, uh, gave a response thing that anybody that wanted to really reach, begin to, felt like the, to reach their at, uh, to have the spirit move in where they are. And he asked you to respond and to stand up. Do you guys remember that a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. For those that don't know what an ad is, I've got a couple keychains up here. But uh, we use the at symbol just to kind of uh, designate where you are. So wherever you are is where the Lord has uh, sent you. He's positioned you there. It's different than, so my at is different than your at, wherever you find your place. It's basically the Greek word concept of oikos. Your household, your sphere of influence, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. And so uh, your at is different than my at. But Jesus has a word and a calling and a mission for that at. And he encourages us. I mean, he's always encouraging us to allow him to work through us in that at. He's got things he wants to do things he can say, lives he can change, generational curses he can break, uh, poverty, mindsets. I mean, there's things that Jesus can do, and it's always, it's individually focused. And so one of the reasons we come to church is that we come to come out of our ats and come together and worship the Lord together to see the bigness of God, to get inspired and encouraged as we go back into our ats. It isn't just to grab our ats and somehow get all of our ats into this geographical location. It is to come here and to get full and encouraged and inspired as we carry the light back into our at. So I want to encourage you. Uh, David asked who who was interested, I think, to... um, be effective or wanted the Lord to move in their acts, and there was a, a pretty good response. And I want to encourage you this morning, uh, begin to ask the Lord, Jesus, give me an eye, give me your eyes for my at. Give me your eyes, what you see uh, for those around me. What do you see for my family? What do you see for my coworkers? What do you see for my neighbors? What do you see for my city? And go as big as you want to, uh, comfortable going, you know, but begin to ask Jesus and then take what he tells you and begin to pray about it. You know, if he points out a specific neighbor to you or a specific family member or a specific coworker, he says, person A, just there highlights them to you. And then you're like, okay, Jesus, what are you saying? What do you, what do you, what do you want to do for person A? And then you begin to pray that the will of the Lord would be done according to what he's told you in person A's life. And what you're doing is you're being very strategic and very missional, and we're seeing the kingdom of God expand beyond just having a church service. And then all of a sudden, that person A, life changes, they get break free, they, I don't know, uh, have a revelation of Jesus, they... Whatever you're praying about, their marriage gets better, whatever you're praying about. And then you find out about it and you're like, wow, Jesus is moving. Well, yeah, he is. Sometimes we miss the movement of Jesus because we're allowing other people to experience and we just celebrate the move of Jesus in proxy. We hear about what's going on overseas. We hear about the testimony of what's going on in their life. But you're not experiencing it in your life. Partly because, are you seeking what Jesus is doing so that you can experience it? 
And when you ask Jesus to do something, the cool thing about Jesus is he loves to do. And if you ask, he's very faithful. What's that one verse in Matthew? Ask and you shall receive. It's Matthew 7. The point is, uh, there's also a great verse in the book of James. You have not because you ask not. So I encourage you, if the devil is fighting you in your personal life like crazy, kick him in the knee by beginning to focus on people around you and begin to pray. And you, you tell the devil, the more you mess with my marriage, the more I'm going to pray for their marriage and their marriage and their marriage and their marriage. The more you bring fear in my life, I'm praying that that person gets free. And, and you begin, I'll tell you what, your family, the, the, the stuff that it starts clearing up suddenly. Because you're, and then you just go more. Oh, yeah? I see you're letting go of me now. Now I'm really going after. We've got to be, you know, that great verse where it says, the kingdom of God uh, expands violently and the violent take it by force. This is what it's talking about. It's not a passive I sure hope Jesus comes and moves one day before I die. It, it is a missional attitude of seeing the Lord move and desiring that and going after it. Little by little. To the extent that you have faith for. Don't bite off more than you can chew, but bite off that little bit and move forward. So afterwards, if you want, I have some... Keychains up here. I've got a bunch of them, but I just got like five or six of them up here. You're welcome to come and grab one. I've got them on my keys. Some people put them on their book bags. Just a kind of a reminder. You know, wherever I am, Jesus is there too. I'm not alone. You know, okay. Enough of that. Next Sunday, uh, we're having the Ukrainian church that we're basically sponsoring for the next three months. Uh, they're going to begin to have their service at 12.15. So starting next Sunday, we're going to shoot to end by 11.45 to give us enough time to transition in and out. So that's where we'll be doing through the month of July. We're going to have a little bit shorter services. So uh, I encourage you, come in and get as much out of it as you can because, uh, no, I mean, the Spirit's still going to move. Everything's going to be get, getting done like today. I'll easily finish by 11.45. So I just wanted to make you again aware of that. But when you're leaving next Sunday, keep in mind with your kids that people are going to be coming in and just be watching. Don't let your kids just run out into the parking lot. Keep a good eye on your kids because um, there's going to be more flow in the parking lot beginning next Sunday during our close time. Okay? Just for safety's sake. Wonderful. Okay, I got three small jokes. And then we're going to get into the Word. So I had to go shopping, and I needed two items. I needed cherries and a microphone. Bada-bing, bada-boom. <laughs> okay, that was a Heather Beer's contribution. I like this one. You know, wisdom says that having a dog named Shark at the beach was a mistake. <laughs> shark, shark. And I saw this one and I thought it was pretty good. I took my eight-year-old daughter to work on Take Your Kid to Work Day. And we walked into the office. She just started to cry. Of course, 
all my coworkers and the concerned staff all gathered around, you know, to comfort her and to see what was wrong. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, where are all the clowns that you said you worked with? Oops. <laughs> Isn't that good? Out of the mouth of babes. Ah, bless you. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Get my glasses on so I can see. For the next uh, two weeks, I'm going to kind of give just some, laying some groundwork and then in the month of August, I'm going to begin a series over the Beatitudes. And uh, just going bit by bit over them, there's a lot of meat there. And it'll probably take me at least a month, maybe two, to get through it. It just depends on how, um, how I feel led to communicate it. Uh, but for the next two weeks, I'm just going to be laying some groundwork, talking around uh, the Beatitudes. So we're in Matthew chapter 5. And let's go ahead and pray over the word. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for being able to gather together as a family, uh, for all that you're doing in our midst. Father, thank you, Lord, for answered prayer, uh, for your presence in our lives, for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive in a well and that you speak. Lord, open our ears to hear you this morning, Father. Teach us, Lord, how to hear your voice and to hear it very clearly, Lord. Holy Spirit, as I preach today, I ask you to preach each sermon that you want to into each person's heart and ears as you desire, Lord. You are the teacher, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher. Come speak to us this morning. We thank you, Father, for being able to gather together and sit under the word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Matthew chapter 5, let's begin reading in verse number 1. So seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and that's where I want to stop. And he opened his mouth. Man, that verse hit me as I was studying for this. And Jesus opened his mouth. And I thought, why did Matthew put that in that text? Why did the Holy Spirit emphasize that Jesus opened his mouth. Why did he word it that way? What was he trying to communicate? I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit on these words. And so I began to ask, this is the way I study. I read and, I, and I'm like, okay, the Lord wants to say something. That there's something, there's a piece of meat here. There's a buried treasure and I'm going to dig. Holy Spirit, show me what it is. What is it? Why did you say he opened his mouth? Why was that necessary? What is the truth there, Lord? And the Lord began over the week, it's been probably two weeks, just began to pour into me different insight into this that I want to share with you this morning. 
you realize that this is in the book of Matthew, basically the, the very first time that Jesus really talks. There's a little bit here and there where he says things uh, when he responds to Satan a couple times and he says something to uh, John the Baptist when he's being baptized. But this is like the really first thing that Jesus begins to say. And when he opens his mouth, the world changed. When Jesus opened his mouth, it isn't just to say, you know, whatever. It isn't just empty words that flow out. It isn't just filling the air with something, noise. When Jesus speaks, it is life-changing power. When Jesus said this here, it was like an atomic bomb going off. Up until this point, they had lived under the shadow of the law since Moses. We're talking thousands of years they'd lived under the shadow of the law with the understanding that it was impossible to fulfill it. Up until this point, there was hopelessness. Up until this point, from the book of Malachi, which ends with a curse, to the first time Jesus comes, is about 400 years of silence without the word of the Lord. Up until this point, you have generations of prophetic voices that just speak hope. It's coming. Trust. Believe. Look forward. It's coming. One day, I will do it. Up until this point, all they had was forward vision hope. And then their lives that just kind of existed and always just encouraging themselves. One day, like that old gospel hymn, farther along. Farther along, we'll understand why. Up until this point. But then Jesus opened his mouth and life from this point on changed. And he shows us and speaks to us the reality of what it means to walk in grace because of mercy and come into victory, fulfilling the law, not out of our own self, but out of the Holy Spirit in us. From this point on, he, op he flings open the door, says, guys, here's the victory. Here's the breakthrough. I've come to liberate you, he says in Luke 4. This is my purpose, to set you free, to open blind eyes, to give you hope and to move you forward and to, to liberate you. And then he says, this is what it is. And he goes and he preaches this whole, you know, several chapter sermon here that just lays out life. See, when Jesus speaks, it's powerful. When Jesus speaks, it's powerful. You know, we live in a world of noise. We live in a world of noise. And there's a lot of hot air out there. You turn on any news channel, any talk show, there's just a bunch of people spewing words, filling the environment, filling the atmosphere with their knowledge and their opinions and their words, but really having nil ability to change your life. But when Jesus speaks... The word goes deep within you and is able to cut and divide between soul and spirit, according to Hebrews 4. It gets down deep in there and actually brings life and change. It's powerful. 
Revelations 19.15 says he has this sword that's hanging out of his mouth. Not a pogo stick. Not a magic wand. It's a sword. Because the words that Jesus speaks are life changing. And they're powerful. They're powerful. When Jesus was being tempted in Matthew 4, Satan comes to him and says, here's bread, you know, turn the stone into bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He's quoting out of the book of Deuteronomy, I think it's 8.3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when God opens his mouth, it's your bread. And you cannot live without the words that come out of the mouth of God. Otherwise, you're living by bread alone. Do you see the emphasis on that? So when, when Matthew says Jesus opened his mouth, Matthew is talking about all of this whole conjecture, this whole understanding of when God speaks there's power, there's life, there's change taking place. Pay attention. Dig in it. Find the treasures. There's life there. Medicine, so are your souls. I think the entire spirit realm changed at that moment. I can see the dark cloud, you know, just darkness. You know, you can tell spiritual atmosphere, especially if you've ever traveled overseas and you fly into a different country and it's got a completely different spiritual environment than the one you came out of. And you can just tell. You're like, wow, I'm not used to this. Because you're, you're used to yours and used to the freedom that you possess in yours if you are a believer and your area is fairly free through prayer. But you go into another area that maybe not be, and you come into a different demonic spirit, and you, you sense it. So imagine this area that's been completely controlled by religion, deadness, not a lot of hope, not a lot of life, no words for the Lord for 400 years, just the stuff we had to read, you know, no fresh, no, nothing new. And Jesus comes and he speaks. And the moment he does, it, it really is to me like an atomic bomb goes off. And every demonic presence in that entire area screeches because Jesus spoke. And they knew that if anybody gets a hold of what he just said, their power is broken. If anyone will read this and understand it, and by the Holy Spirit, get it down deep within them, this is going to break off of their control over them. This liberates them to walk as Jesus walked. This isn't just a good sermon to fill space. This is liberating you to walk in the fullness that Jesus has for you. Breaking off general, generational curses. Breaking off ungodly mindsets. Breaking off religious attitudes. Hearing by the Holy Spirit. Growing in your spirit man. And having your flesh be submitted to who your spirit man is. There's life here. And he, Jesus speaks it. 
Talk about a mic drop. Enough said, you know? Remember 2 Timothy 3.16, just want to remind you that all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. In the Russian, it has this word that basically means God exhaled. It's a cool word. All scripture is God breathed. All scripture is Jesus talking to you in the middle of whatever situation in your at you find yourself. Maybe the situation that you find yourself in, Nate, is different than the situation you find yourself in, Prince Will, or the situation you find yourself in, Kathy. I'm sure they are completely different. But the great thing about the word of God, about what Jesus says, that it is God-breathed to speak to you directly where you are in this moment of your life. There is life there for you right now in this moment. Jesus is not restricted by your problems. He's not restricted by the circumstances that are coming against you or your feelings that you're feeling or the thoughts that are racing through your mind. Jesus is not restricted. His word is powerful enough to get right where you are and shine that light on. So when Jesus opens his mouth, take note. He opened his mouth. Ooh, everybody shut up. We're going to listen. He's got something to say, and I don't want to miss it. I would hate to get before Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, these are the type of nightmares that I have. Get before Jesus, and you're standing there. You know, I lived to be 126 and passed away, and I'm standing before Jesus. And I say, you know, Lord... Why did you never help me in this area? And he just looks at me and says, Son, I talked to you like 30 billion times about that. <laughs> My word doesn't return void. You just, you had a blockage in your ear and I kept, I even sent some people to bonk you upside the head and you got mad at them. <laughs> That's like my nightmare. It's like, oh, Lord, you mean I suffered for 126 years for nothing? Why does Jesus speak? Why does he take the time to speak? Why did Jesus open up his mouth? Well, first of all, he cares. He is the good shepherd. There's a great verse in the book of Proverbs that says, Know the condition of your flocks. And we always use it as pastors to encourage one another really to get to know your flocks and to see where they know them. You're not just doing a job, fulfilling a function. You're leading people. So know the sheep. Know the sheep that the Lord has given you. But Jesus knows each and every one of you. 
Because I'm with you, what, an hour a week? You know? That's 52 hours a year? Jesus is with you all the time. So he really gets down in the deep and you... Okay, can I say it that, you know, sometimes during that hour that you're with me for two weeks, some of us are pretty good about putting on our church clothes and our church faces and our church attitudes. You know what I mean? And so I don't get to see really sometimes really get down deep into really what's going on in your heart. I have assumptions. I have thoughts. I have concerns, things that I pray for you in private. But I don't really know. You know, but Jesus, the great thing about him is that he's with you all the time. He knows. You can't hide from him. So there's really no use to try. It's just being honest with him. I know you see me, Lord. This is where, where I am, Lord. Help me. Okay. Glad you looked up. Now let's talk. Let my word bring life to you. I'm going to open my mouth, so pay attention. So he cares. Second, because caring isn't enough, Jesus has the power and the authority. You know, I care about you guys. I have a lot of empathy for you. My heart hurts at times. But sometimes there's not a lot that I can do. I can preach, I can counsel, I can encourage I can give you a hug, I can send you a note, I can send you a text, you know, but besides getting in there and really getting down to the deep issues of your hearts and putting my finger right where the issue is and beginning to heal it, I, I just can't do that. But I, you know what? Jesus can. And Jesus is with you. If you've asked him into your heart, which if you haven't, go ahead and do that. I mean, like, come on. Be wise enough to say, Lord, you designed me. I'm sorry I'm a screw-up. I'm not going to run from you. Lord, I give you my life, and I'm going to keep giving you my life until the day I stop breathing. Come into my life and help me, Lord. I recognize I can't do this on my own. And just doing that, but he is always, if you've done that, know that he's there and he's able to speak those words to you. Because he has the power and the authority to actually bring Change. I think the third thing of why he speaks, if we're keeping track, is that uh, he has truth that liberates. So not only does he care, not only has he, does he have power and authority, but it's actual truth. When Jesus speaks, it's actual truth. You know, the president has power and authority, and he might have empathy for you individually, I'm talking about. I think he has empathy, but I mean like for you individually, if he knew you, he might have empathy. But he may not have truth, because we're all human. Jesus isn't limited by that. Jesus has truth. And so he's able to speak directly to the core and hit those pockets of, you know, you know um, I love you and you're in this spot, but right here you have a wrong belief. You have a bad attitude and it's holding you in bondage. And so I'm speaking to you as your father, Jesus, says this. And this is the area that I want to put my finger on because if you'll let go of this, 
it'll bring you into freedom. I don't know about you, but Jesus tends to do that to me all the time. If you'll change this view of me, or change this view of yourself, or change this view of others, you'll come into victory. Because Jesus speaks different things. And thank God he does. He's not just a cheerleader. We all like encouragement. That's one of the things that he speaks over us. We all like encouragement. Way to go! Woohoo! You know, I tend to be a cheerleader. I tend to be Barnabas, Mr. Positive. You know, yeah, everything's falling apart, but you know what? There's tomorrow and it'll work out. Why? Because I've seen it work out over years, and so I tend to focus on the, the hope. But Jesus isn't just a cheerleader. Jesus is also a corrector. If you don't know Jesus as the corrector, then you're missing out on the power of his life to come in and actually change you. See, the cheerleader just goes, oh, great, yeah, everything's falling apart. Well, bless God, you're just awesome. The corrector goes in, well, let's talk about why this is happening and let's begin to deal with this. This is what Jesus did. But Jesus always does it in such a loving way. He puts his finger on it and it sometimes hurts, but it's like a caring, helpful, I'm going to change this and bring life to this area hurt. And he's good that way. So Jesus opens his mouth and he brings encouragement. He brings correction. He brings discernment. He brings discernment. I don't know about you, but I don't have everything figured out. And there's an awful lot of times I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I just need wisdom. Jesus, give me wisdom. I'm like, I don't have two paths to choose from. I have like six paths and none of them look good, Lord. What do I do? Where do you want me to go? How do I handle this? Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me discernment. Sometimes your heart is like you're in the middle of that boat and it's like the storm and it's all of these emotions and pain and thoughts and, uh, you know, minds racing and, you know, the, the stuff that goes on. And you're like, in the midst of all of this, Lord, what is you and where are you? And he's like, I'm here. If you just listen, I'm here. I'm actually on the other side of the boat just laying down. Why don't you come lay down? Let me take care of this. He gives you that discernment because Jesus speaks. And when he opens his mouth, things change. Why do you think Satan doesn't want you to listen to him very much? Why do you think we live in a world of distraction? Why do you think we live in a world of busyness and emotional detachment? Because then we can't listen. I think the fourth thing that he uh, speaks to us is direction. 
Sometimes when we're not even looking for it. You know, sometimes in the midst of when we're really seeking direction, we already know what we should do and he's already talked to us. And so he's not going to say, sometimes he does, but he doesn't necessarily give us direction when we're asking for it. It's usually when we're not. And then he goes, hey, I want you to put your eyes that way because that's the direction you're going to be heading now. But he leads us down the best path that liberates us and liberates those around us. Jesus is all about liberation, setting people free. He usually speaks to us, by the way. I want to emphasize this. I made a note to remind myself to emphasize it. He'll talk to you about you, and he'll talk to you about your at. Which is your sphere of influence. If you're hearing a lot of stuff about stuff that isn't within your wheelhouse, it's probably not Jesus. If all of your peace is gone, and you're anxious and worried, and life is falling apart out of stuff that's not in your wheelhouse, it's not in your sphere of influence, it's stuff that you can't do anything about anyway, it's probably not Jesus. We spend an awful lot about of our time being all spun out of whack from things that we have no power in or no authority in, no influence in, And instead of just giving those to Jesus, we think, well, it'll somehow change it if I get up all upset and vent on Facebook. The world will change. Mm. Mm. Hasn't happened yet. We've had Facebook since what, 08? 04? Quite a while. I've been a member since I think like 08. Things you want to, things you're like celebrating. Oh, 20 years. Yay. So if it's not about you and about your at, then it probably is not something you need to deal with and just give it back to Jesus. The rare occasion that's not is when Jesus is giving you vision for something in the future and he's saying, hey, I want you to pay attention to unwed mothers. I want you to pay attention to the nation of Czech, the Czech Republic. I want you to pay attention to gambling, those who struggle with gambling addictions. Or I want you to go into politics and become a governor, so pay attention. That's the rare case of where you are looking at things that are way outside your wheelhouse and you're beginning in the vision to look forward to of where you're taking me, Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you totally disengage with the world, but it should not be all that you're doing and steal all of your peace and ruin your health and ruin your relationships because you're ticked off about what's going out there that you have no power to do anything about anyway. Well, somebody's got to speak up. <laughs> okay, there you go. When does Jesus speak to us? 
I think Jesus speaks to us in the precise time he needs to. And he's never manipulated or coerced into talking sooner than, you want, than he wants to. And he's never late. I want to know now. <laughs> or I'm not going to serve you anymore. Okay, calm down. You're acting like a two-year-old. Put my foot down. He speaks timely. So when he speaks, listen. Write it down. If you don't have a journal, I highly recommend. They're super cheap. You don't have, any, have to have anything fancy you can do like I do. I just get the 50-cent college rule when they're on sale at Target. They'll probably be on sale for $1.50 now after inflation, but they're still fairly cheap. <laughs> I get those and I just fill them with what the Lord's saying and I, can, I date them on the outside when I start using it and when I finish using it, I'll put the end date on it and then I keep them in a pile in, my, in a bookshelf and so I can always go back and look through what the Lord, and I got everything in there, little things the Lord's told me to what I'm doing that day. It's just kind of my, if I ever become famous, someone, poor someone is going to have to dig through all of this to figure out what I did in my life, right? Some poor historian somewhere. But I don't think it's going to happen, so I'm not worried about it. <clears throat> so Jesus is speaking timely to us. Jesus, when he does speak, it's very powerful. But it's in a quiet way. It's not loud. It's not... Sometimes it is. I mean, that's rare. But majority of the time, it's just the simple word, boom, but you just feel it. Because it's a bomb going off in the spirit realm. It's changing inside of you. Boom. It's effective. It sets it up for you to walk in greater levels of freedom. His word doesn't return void. So when Jesus speaks to you, write it down, think about that. Yes, Lord, I, I agree with this. I'm, I'm uh, claiming this, Lord. I'm standing on this. I'm trusting this. I'm trusting in your ability to do what you said you're going to do. Because you're effective. You're faithful even when I'm not faithful. He's faithful. Sometimes when Jesus speaks, it is unconditional of your behavior. Sometimes. Sometimes he says, I'm going to do this and you're going to be amazed. Because you're not going to believe it. Right? And then it happens and you're like, wow, God, I'm so sorry you're crying. You know, I'm so sorry, I'm so unfaithful, didn't trust you, didn't believe it, yet you still did it. You know, everybody's have had those. I would say, but most of the time, it is often conditional what he speaks over us based on our faith, our response, and our obedience. You know, but he's faithful to walk it out. So I mean, it's, don't jump into condemnation. Condemnation isn't God. What I'm saying is often he says, okay, in five years, I want to get you from A to B. Or from A to M. It's probably more like A to M, okay? But it's going to take B, C, D, E, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. And you're going to think every single one of those is M. But it's going to take, you know, it's going to take a while. But I'm, I'm, I'm faithful and I'm going to walk you through as you learn to walk in M. 
So don't be discouraged when you're on F. You're not getting an F. You're just on F. You're on the way to M. Don't give up. Look at the fact that you're no longer on A. Jesus, thank you for the work that you've done in my life. You've moved me forward, and I'm going to trust you. Because once you get to M, he'll go, how about Z? (laughs) It's a lifetime of moving with him. So lastly in this, Jesus opens his mouth and he speaks. So I want to give you just a few short keys on how to hear him better. Number one, very simple. Cut out the noise. Cut out the noise. Each of us, the noise is going to be different. We all have different interests, desires, fleshly motivations. All of us are different. So my cutting out the noise might be completely different than your cutting out the noise. Like maybe Ben's would be canceling some subscription to plant magazines. (laughs) You already did that. No, I have no idea. You know, whatever the noise is, generally you know, but don't get into condemnation either because Jesus doesn't want a robot. He doesn't want you dead where you have nothing. I mean... Give it the space to, for him to speak to you and let it be clear. And over time, you talk to, your, you know, talk to those you trust and, and work it out to where you really know what noise is. If you're mature enough, yes, it's noise, and just move on. Okay? Number two, keep your heart open and soft. Keep your heart open and soft. I know these are like so simple, But really, they're not. (laughs) This is where the rubber really meets the road in a lot of things. And basically, it's being quick to repent and to forgive. I had an old preacher friend who told me, you know, Matt, the secret to success in ministry is keep your altar well-oiled. Be ready to repent all the time, basically. Be ready. Be humble. You know, humility is where we grow, and we'll talk about that when we get into the blessed are the poor in spirit, and also James 4, that God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. So being humble to admit, hey, God, I need you. I screwed up. I messed up. I have a bad attitude. Uh, I looked at the situation wrong. I got too distracted. I mean, just being humble. And this isn't a condemning thing, and if you're under condemnation, it's, it's not Jesus. And being quick to forgive because uh, hurting people hurt hurting people. I know there's a saying there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Be willing to forgive because otherwise, you know, we cut off everybody. Anybody the Lord could use in a future instance to bless us, we cut them off because at one point they hurt us. Before you know it, we're just alone. And God uses, you know, those, those wonderful scriptures where uh, it says in the book of John, if you say you love God but you hate your brother, you're a liar. <laughs> Why? Because if we struggle to love the people around us, we can't love, love someone we don't see. 
what we do is we create someone. We create them in the form that we desire them to be that best matches none of you. You know, we create this idol and it's really not God. So we can't really love God if we're not really to work out our relationships and learn to love, learn to forgive, learn to be humble. Iron sharpens iron as men sharpen men. Dealing with the issues. It is not easy being in relationships. You can't be selfish. One benefit of blood relationships is it's generally a lot harder to cut them off because they are your brother or they are your sister or it is your mother. You know, that doesn't always stop everybody. It's a little bit easier in, in church folk because, well, I just go to church with them. I just won't sit on that side of the sanctuary anymore. <laughs> you know, but really, um, that person might have the exact key that you need. And Satan is doing everything to divide you because that, actually that discomfort you're sensing is the area that the Lord wants to deal with in your life. And that person will bring the key that will liberate you and bring you up to a whole new level of fellowship with Jesus. Balance this word now, okay? I always worry about saying anything. Because <laughs> I, I have I picture, okay, I hope that person isn't hearing it like that because that's not what I'm saying. And I hope that person isn't hearing it like that because I know that's, I just see it. Balance the word. Condemnation is not a, is not a place. Demonic thoughts. Uh, because we love people and somebody might have a key, it doesn't mean you let them abuse you. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying normal, healthy relationships where there's friction. Not unhealthy, abusive relationships where there's friction. Okay? Need to clarify. Number three, to hear better, I recommend not picking fights with devils greater than the, your level of faith or authority. I'll say that again in case you missed it. Don't pick fights with devils that are greater than your level of faith or authority. When do we do that? I'm just so sick of cancer. I just bind cancer across the whole United States, across the whole world. Well, that's a pretty big devil of cancer you're, you're picking a fight with. I think you maybe need to first fight it in your own life and get a victory before you pick on these, these I know, I, and I don't really like them, like, um, what do the shirts say? Not today, Satan. If it's said in Jesus, because Jesus told you to say it about a particular area, yes and amen. But a cocky, you ain't going to touch my life. If you're, you know, if you're walking in humility with Jesus, you're fine. But if you're moving out of Jesus and getting into cockiness because, well, I'm a believer and you're defeated and, well, you're just stupid. I mean, really, your life is falling apart. Devil's beating you up, eating your lunch like crazy. You're like, well, I don't know what Jesus is doing. Well, because you picked a fight with Satan instead of trusting in Jesus. 
You know, we have to be wise, guys. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Even the angels were careful when they rebuked Satan. They rebuked him in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is our authority. You have to imagine it like you're an ambassador. And you're going into a foreign power, a dictator, as the ambassador of your nation. You don't go in cocky. Unless you know that bombers are already on the way going to be bombing. And you've been given the authority to say bombs are on the way. But you don't just go in there. You know, you go in under the authority of the administration that sent you. And you say, the administration wants you to know. I'm just letting you know what they said. So you've got to be wise in that. I see people suffering at times because they take on fights that really they weren't destined to. Instead of staying where the Lord has placed them and fighting for that within their act, they take on bigger things. And they end up, the devil just eats their lunch. They get weird. Fourth and final, which is a really good one. How to hear the Lord better. Read your Bible. Super simple, but I'll tell you the practicality of it. You want to hear Jesus, and here is, I don't know how many words, but thousands of words of Jesus. And so how do you recognize when Jesus talks to you? Well, if you have a bunch of this in you, you'll begin to go, well, that sounds like Jesus. If you read it once a week, or you just look at the verses that they throw up on the screen during the sermon, that's the extent of your reading, and Jesus comes and says, man, you're just awesome, I love you. I'm going to do like wild things with you. You're going to become president. You're like, wow, Jesus told me I'm going to become president. You understand what I mean? You, you hear things that aren't practical or aren't within because you don't have enough of the word in you, so you're taking counterfeit dollars because you haven't been around the bank enough. You know, when they train tellers, they just let them play with real money. They don't teach them counterfeits. They show them what real money feels like and smells like and looks like so that when a counterfeit comes through, they go, oop, that's counterfeit. So you want to learn to hear Jesus Get in the word. Know what his word is because I will, I will assuredly tell you 99.9% .9 of the times when he speaks to you, he's going to speak to you out of the Bible. It'll be words that'll come to mind, verses that'll come to mind, stories out of the Bible, situations, wisdom that comes from the word. There's no shortcut to that. Well, that may take me years. Yes, well, you've got years. Grow and let the Lord speak to you. If you watch Blue Bloods more than you, or any other television show, more than you read the Bible, if that's the majority of your time, you watch, uh, you watch television or TV or read books or look at magazines or surf the web for 16 hours a day and you read your Bible for 10 minutes, what, how difficult do you think it will be to hear Jesus? Because you're hearing Microsoft, Google, Zuckerberg, political parties, anybody that has a voice out there, you're listening to them quite well. You can recognize them. But listening to Jesus and what he has to say that's counter to any of that will be very difficult. Just being real practical with you. If you want wisdom, Jesus' word for your at, then get into Jesus' word and ask him, what's your word? And let him speak to you.
In closing, I'm going to ask you this week, set aside some time, go to the Lord, and ask him what he is saying about you. Let him speak to you. What is he saying about you? What is he saying about what is he saying about your at? What is he saying about your at? And lastly, what's he saying about himself? Let him speak to you about those three areas and begin to grow in your ability to hear and let those bombs begin to go off in your life that liberate you and liberate your at. You want revival? You want a movement of the power of God and the Holy Spirit? Imagine your at full of the power of God. Well, I'm commissioning you this morning as a missionary to go into your at and to bring the gospel there. Some of you don't look happy. Sorry. No, I just want to encourage you. It's totally possible. Let's just focus on small enough bites that you're not overwhelmed because Jesus does not overwhelm. When he called me to Russia, he didn't call me to change the entire nation. He sent me to one specific neighborhood and we started there. One little piece. In the same way where Jesus has you, it's one little piece. He's not overwhelmed. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word and that it does not return void, Lord. That it's full of power, it's effective, Lord. Thank you, Lord, it's you and your beautiful work as you expand your kingdom, liberating people, saving them, setting them free, Father. I thank you, Lord, for it. Give us wisdom how to hear individually, Lord, for ourselves, for our ads, and about who you are. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to grow in our faith and be free of the uh, enemy's influences in our lives. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. We pray in your name. Amen, amen.